0: Good morning, if you open up to John chapter 3, we do have a lengthy reading today, Uh, so I'm going to read at the beginning and then we'll continue from there. So John 3, verses 1 through 15. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform signs you're doing if God were not with him. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Very familiar uh, section of scripture. Um, I want to say welcome again this morning. And I want to say welcome to this new series we're going to be starting today. We're going to do three weeks on Nicodemus. I've never personally met anybody named Nicodemus in my life. I think it's a great name. Uh, But you definitely have met Nicodemuses in your life. And I believe all of us at one point have been Nicodemus at some point ourselves. Maybe multiple times throughout our lives. But We're going to spend three weeks looking at Nicodemus. And I really want to look at it through the lens of discipleship. Both what it means to be a disciple and also what it takes to make more disciples. And today, actually, in our reading, we're going to get an, an extra special look at this because we're going to see how Nicodemus was a disciple and also how he was discipled, the verb, I guess, of discipling, by Jesus. So we're do three weeks on Nicodemus, and my, my hope is that you see yourself in the story. That's typically my hope whenever we come together. But I hope that you see yourself maybe within the pages today and see how you can connect with Jesus in a different way. So let's continue. Let's meet Nicodemus this morning, okay? And like I said, you might be familiar. Actually, I was super familiar. When I was in uh, growing up in church, we had puppets. I know you guys did puppets at some point, but one of my favorite songs was about Nicodemus. It was like really jazzy, you know? Uh, I used to jam out to that song. That's all I knew about Nicodemus. But really quickly, we get to know who Nicodemus is. We can make our own profile Of Nicodemus. Very quickly, we find out he's a Pharisee, his name is Nicodemus, and he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. What I want you to imagine when you see Nicodemus, well, however you imagine him, is there's a a sense of influence. There's a sense of power bestowed upon this man, Nicodemus. Power and influence. And maybe that is why Jesus catches his attention, because as we talked a few weeks ago, Jesus had this magnetic personality, right? He was not only attracting sinners, tax collectors, whoever, but he's also connecting with the Pharisees, maybe in a different way. But he's had such a magnetic personality that people were attracted to him. And I think as a man of power and influence, that Nicodemus, being a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council, sees Jesus and there's something there about him. Maybe he sees a little bit of power and influence. But that whatever it might be, Nicodemus realizes that he must go and find out more. He needs to see what Jesus is all about. He comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, very formal greeting. Pharisees didn't typically refer to Jesus in this way, right? Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. It's important to recognize that, Jesus, that excuse me, Nicodemus comes to Jesus incognito mode, right, at night. He does not want to be seen by other people talking to Jesus. And not only be seen, probably be heard talking to him in this way, saying, Rabbi, because the Pharisees, right, they're not wanting to give him any credence. They don't want to have anybody think that Jesus is who he says he was. But he says at night, he comes to him and says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. And I get to this point, and I, and I have to stop here as I'm reading this text myself and say, why? And we're going to ask that question over and over again this morning. Why now? What was it? And we don't have a, a, you know, a detailed record. You know, we don't have a play-by-play. But what happened to Nicodemus? What did Jesus do that made Nicodemus say, tonight's the night I have to go ask Jesus a question? Why now? Because if we take this, this profile here, that he's a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council, he's a man of power and influence, he has a lot to lose by this conversation, right? Because giving any credence to Jesus takes away credence from the Pharisees and the members of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, right? If he's going to Jesus and giving him any authority, that might have some questions for Nicodemus the next day. Hey, Nicodemus, why are you talking to Jesus that way? Why now? What happened? What took place? Why speak with Jesus at all? Nicodemus is showing us the very first step to knowing Christ. As we look at this through the lens of discipleship, as the, through the lens of making disciples, Nicodemus is showing us the very first thing that needs to happen for anybody to know who Jesus is at all in this world. Okay? And it's dissonance. Jesus, or excuse me, Nicodemus experiences dissonance. And so the question is, what is dissonance, okay? Usually dissonance it happens whenever I start singing, right? Uh, it's those waves you hear that they're not quite right, right? You know what I'm talking about. I, I, I play guitar, and one of the best ways to tune a guitar really quick is to tune it to the next, to the next string, and you'll hear those waves. You know what I'm talking about, right? And it's not really a good feeling. The actual definition of dissonance right here, lack of harmony among musical notes. Like I said, that's me. When I sing, okay? I try my best, but, you know, my best is, is usually dissonance. Lack of harmony. And you see, when I look at Nicodemus, this is what I see. There's a lack of harmony in his life. Because you can just imagine, and I, I do this a lot, I like to see these characters as real people because they were, okay? I just want you to see Nicodemus going about his life normally, right? He's worked hard to become this Pharisee. He's worked hard to become a member of the Jewish ruling council. Not everybody gets to have those titles. Everything is fine. He probably has, you know, a good place to live, a good routine. But then something happens to where Jesus comes into his life, and there's a lack of harmony. And because of that lack of harmony, he has to ask the question, why? Why? He has to go to Jesus, and he has to do something about it because the harmony that was once in his life is no longer there. He is experiencing with his belief, his core, his identity. I talk a lot about identity, and we should if we're going to be Christians and we identify with Christ. That's very important. Nicodemus is questioning his identity at this moment. There's a big lack of harmony. The reality of Jesus is encroaching his reality. Something has to be done, and I'm not sure what he expected. But what he says is very profound. Here, I'm going back here to John three two. He came to him and said, "We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one came, excuse me, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him." This is my translation. This is what I'm feeling that Nicodemus is actually saying. It seems you are who you say you are. That is profound for a Pharisee to be saying to a guy who seems to be tearing apart what you believe and what you do, giving you that lack of harmony in your life. It seems you are who you say you are. And I, can, and, I, and, and I can just picture the uneasiness that Nicodemus must be experiencing here, this dissonance to where he's like, I have to come to you at night because I don't want to lose everything, but I have to come to you because it seems you are who you say you are. Nicodemus' dissonance led him to some clarity about Jesus, and I think we could be done here. We could clap and say, yay, Nicodemus, he learns about who Jesus is. Fantastic. And you know what? If I was Jesus... I'd be like, great, man, come be my disciple, hang out with me. You have a lot of power and influence. We can get your friends and their friends, and we can just start a revolution, man. What do you say? That sounds pretty good to me. That's a lot of times, that's how we kind of see, that's how we see discipleship sometimes, right? We see it as almost like a quick game, right, where it's like, okay, you tell your friend, you tell your friend, you said yes, okay, fantastic, let's keep moving. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Of course, Jesus gets Nicodemus to be off guard in this situation, right? He's already uncomfortable going to him at night. He's already uncomfortable saying things that go against the very essence of who he is. But Jesus takes him one step further. After this, Nicodemus asked Jesus to explain, so he continues. And we just read this very quickly. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. You were Israel's teacher, he continues So I said Nicodemus and the question is why did he come to Jesus in the first place? He experienced that dissonance. But my question is now for Jesus. Why are you making it so hard for him? You see he already made that step, right? He already made the step in the direction towards Jesus. Jesus, why did you have to go further? <laughs> Couldn't you have made that a little bit easier? Couldn't we have just dunked him in water and just kept going? Like, that's sometimes what we do, right? He already came to you. Shouldn't that be enough? We already experienced this. You know, or excuse me, we know that you were a teacher who has come from God. No one can perform signs of what you're doing if God were not with him. He's already made this statement to him. Why go any further? And this is the reason why that I've come to is that dissonance is really important when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. It's not enough to just make this proclamation and go about your life to go go back into that harmony that you might have experienced. Saying, okay, now I I approached Jesus. I said what I needed to say. Now I can just go back to my old life. Jesus is not going to let Nicodemus do that. He is not going to let him walk away from this dissonance. Jesus says a few things here that takes that lack of harmony that he was experiencing and makes it way more lack of harmonious things. I don't know. Way more dissonance, okay? A few things. And again, I want you to see yourself as Nicodemus here. The dissonance is already really, 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 really hard to, hard to deal with. Jesus makes it that much harder. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And just, I want to say here, a lot of times we jump to John 3 as like a, as a baptism text, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm not saying that we should never say that. But if we're hearing this as Nicodemus, Nicodemus isn't hearing it the same way we are, okay? That's clear. We've already, we've already learned more about him. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. He's hearing Jesus' words very ...differently than we would hear Jesus' words, okay? So when he hears Jesus say these things, the very thing that comes to his mind is this, okay? This is in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 26. In a little bit of context, Israel is in Babylonian captivity. They are exiled. Israel does not exist, okay, in, in the sense that it used to. And usually when an exiled people gets exiled, they don't come back. Usually they assimilate into that culture and they become part of that culture and what was formerly Israel never exists again. But this is the promise that Ezekiel brings to the people of Israel as they're in Babylonian exile. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then I will live in the land I gave your ancestors you will be my people and I will be your God. Do you hear this message here that I'm going to make you clean with this water, I'm going to give you a spirit, your heart of stone, I'm going to give you actual life again as my people. That is what Nicodemus is hearing. Can you imagine that coming to his ears and saying, that promise that was fulfilled that Ezekiel talked about, the impossibility of coming out of exile that God did for us, Jesus is referring to. That dissonance, you know, radar is going crazy right now. What was fulfilled to your people many, many, many years ago is being fulfilled again in me. I will make you clean. It reminds Nicodemus of exile and what God has done over and over again. If he's a teacher of the law, like we, like we know he's is excuse me, like we know he is, he knows this. Jesus is this fulfillment, but even more so. Jesus also reminds uh, Nicodemus of his own pride. Not my favorite thing to be reminded of, but I don't think it is for Nicodemus either. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. I would imagine for a Pharisee, this is really important. Right, what do we know about the Pharisees? They're really good at making more rules. And a lot of times the rules have a lot to do with the flesh. And Jesus looks directly at this Pharisee, right? I'm profiling him again. This member of the Jewish ruling council and says, the way you're going about things is going to keep giving birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. And I think in a way Jesus is saying, that comes from me, not from you guys. And Jesus continues here at the end of the text that we read this morning. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus takes this Ezekiel passage and says, I am this fulfillment in a greater way. He takes this... This sense of pride, of flesh, of giving birth to flesh and says, that's not the way you're supposed to go. And then in a last moment, he compares himself to Moses, the great liberator of Israel out of Egypt. And says, just as Moses lifted up a snake and gave healing to those who were injured, I'm going to be lifted up too. But it's not going to be like Moses. It's going to be much better than Moses much grander than Moses. And it's not going to be lifting up his hands to heal people who look. It's going to be lifted up on a cross to heal the world from everything. And again, if you're Nicodemus, this is not providing you with much harmony in your life. If you're comparing yourself to Moses, that's a big deal. So again, why, Jesus You had Nicodemus earlier. He already acknowledged that you come from God. Why do this? Why put him through this? Why make him question even more? Why make him recognize the fulfillment that he already felt, I think, within himself that Jesus is doing? Why do this, Jesus? I think there's two reasons, and I think this is kind of where we come to this morning. As we look at discipleship, as we look at dissonance, why is Jesus doing this? The first thing is, I think that dissonance is necessary. Like I said at the very beginning, this is what takes Nicodemus from his normal life and transforms him into a question asker, right? Sometimes we don't like to ask questions because more questions brings more dissonance and more dissonance makes me uncomfortable. But if we're actually going to see Jesus for who he is, we have to experience dissonance. And the really scary thing about this is that it's not just when we first become a Christian we'll experience dissonance. It's going to happen over and over again. That's one of the things that growing up I, I really didn't appreciate. I went to a very small church. Me and my sister were the youth group of the church. And it seemed that every question I had had a canned answer. It was almost like they, they were ready to throw it at my, my face whenever I had a question and it's like, wait, you didn't actually hear me. Wait, we didn't even discuss this. Wait, your answer, that's the only answer? Can you please elaborate more? And they're like, no, this is the answer. <laughs> like, sometimes churches do that because we want to have answers for everything, but sometimes when we get into dissonance, there has to be more discussion, and Jesus never was afraid of discussion, and we shouldn't be either. Dissonance is necessary, and we should not fear it, and we don't expect This to be a one-time thing that it happens over and over again. Dissonance is what brought Nicodemus to Jesus at night. That discomfort is what brought him to know Jesus. And the same thing can be said for you. Listen to dissonance. So dissonance is necessary. And the second thing is that we need to invite dissonance from others. Okay, I'm not saying that you should go start an argument at lunch today. That's not what I'm saying. But like I said, my experience growing up in the church was that dissonance was never invited. I was never allowed to really ask questions. But if we take the example of Jesus as the ultimate disciple maker, he's always ready for a good, a good conversation. Why, like he's not, a, he's not a magnetic person because he's not good at talking to people, Right? Like, usually the people that have a lot of people hanging around them, it's because they're good at having conversation. It's not a one-way. Jesus isn't just preaching to you all the time. He's listening. He's responding. You're talking back to him. And there's a dialogue being had. And I think if we're going to be disciple-makers in this world, we have to invite dissonance from others. Not just give canned answers that we heard when we were 15 years old. Okay? The Spirit moves in incredible ways, and if we don't invite dissonance, we will not be making disciples in the way that Jesus showed us how. We need to do this. And yes, this is going to be uncomfortable. And yes, you will not always have the right answers. And yes, you might look dumb sometimes. Fear of looking dumb should not be an obstacle to making disciples in this world. You're going to look dumb. (laughs) I've looked dumb a lot. I've probably looked dumb up here. But that's okay. Like... The Spirit can do great things through dumb guys like me. I'm not calling any of you dumb, okay? But if we truly believe that the Spirit is moving and active, he can use us, and he can use our uncertainty sometimes. He can use our question, our doubts, to help build faith of others in our own faith. So we need to be inviting dissonance. Because at the beginning of the story, we recognize that Jesus already had Nicodemus, right? He could have just said, all right, you're my disciple now, follow me. But it's because he pushed into the dissonance that the discipleship process continued to grow. And over the next three weeks, we're going to see just how that little conversation transformed the trajectory of Nicodemus' life. He made Nicodemus a really, really smart teacher of Israel ask a really important question. How? How? If you look back at your text and if you see John chapter 3, Nicodemus asks the question, how, twice. Nicodemus is a good learner because he asks good questions. We need to be asking the same questions and allow other people to ask the same questions of us. If we invite dissonance from others, we're, we're following Jesus. And we won't have all the answers, like I said, but we'll get closer to letting the Spirit move through us when we do invite dissonance from others. So I pray this morning that you were able to see yourself in the story. Whether you're Nicodemus, whether you're Jesus, whether you thought back to when you first became a disciple or where you are today currently. And I say this all the time. It's, it's, it's part of the journey. It's part of the process. And if we invite dissonance into the process, Jesus can do incredible things. Continue to invite dissonance. Continue to see it as important. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for this time and I thank you for the example of Nicodemus. God, that we have all been Nicodemus. I pray that we continue to recognize how this dissonance, this lack of comfort, leads us to the cross. God, how you speak to us, how you work in our lives and through other people is important. Help us to recognize maybe when we're uncomfortable is the moment that the Spirit is trying to tap us on the shoulder and do something incredible in our lives. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. And at this part, we we do invite you, if you have any needs, to please let it be known. If you're experiencing that dissonance in your life, let it be known, because you're not alone. If you think this is a time that you want to accept Christ in baptism, awesome, because dissonance does that a lot in the lives of those who are seeking Jesus. If you have any needs at all, we'd like you to come as we stand and as we sing.